I absolutely love that song. It's the gospel message, right? It's the story of what Jesus has done for you and what Jesus has done for me. The gospel uh, simply means the good news, right? The good news is the message that Christ died on the cross for our sins, taking our place and not only giving us the ability to have our sins forgiven, but he also gives us purpose because he gives us a relationship with our creator. This is the message of hope that transformed my life. It transformed your life if you're a follower of Christ today. And so this gospel message is really the heartbeat, that story, that truth is the foundation of everything that we do as a church. It's the foundation of everything that we do as Christians, as followers of Jesus. It's why we give, it's why we serve, it's why we're here today, it's why we sing. It's why you bring your kids on, your teenagers on Wednesday nights and why you check your kids in on Sunday morning because we know that there is something bigger. There is something more powerful happening. We are not just on this planet to live and have a job and get married and have a few kids. We are here because God sent us here for a purpose and a mission. And we are driven by this message. We're driven by this gospel. And as we close out this series today, I wanna encourage you to think about, are you a gospel-driven giver? Are you someone that is driven by this message? Like this is not just a, a story that you've heard, but it is a, a, a story and a truth that you have embraced and that you are in fact living today. It's because of this gospel message that I am motivated to preach. It's why I'm motivated to give. It's why I'm motivated to love you. It's why I'm motivated to challenge you. And so as, as we gather today and as we think about why we would give towards this vision offering, why we would take our next step of faith, we come back to the essence of why we do anything. And it's the gospel. It's the hope that Jesus Christ has changed us. And he has a purpose and a mission for us. He's gifted us uniquely. Every single one of us have different gifts and different skill sets. And we've come from all over the country. Some of you were born and raised here, but we have gathered together at Foothills Church for such a time as this on a mission that God has given to us. Today, I wanna close this series out with just really two characteristics of what it means to be driven by the gospel. It means that you would be a gospel-driven giver. And so we, we would give, but two ways specifically that we would do that. If you've got a Bible, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. As you turn there, let's start in John 17 here. You can just look to the screen. This is a prayer that Jesus is praying in the garden the night that he is arrested. So this is before the cross. And he's praying and he says, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Now, what is the work? He hasn't gone to the cross. He hasn't been raised from the dead yet, but he's saying that he completed some work. And I believe that the work that he's talking about is that he made disciples, that he invested in 12 men. He trained them, he built them, he developed them to then go out and, and, and lead his church and grow his church and spread the gospel, right? This is the work that he had dedicated his life to, 
right? Let's, let's back up a little bit in Matthew 4, 19, when he called those disciples and he said, come, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I love this verse. He says, first of all, follow me. He doesn't just say, attend services where people talk about me. He says, follow me. When I'm following him, that means I'm learning about him. I'm growing in who he is, my knowledge, but I'm also like, uh, I'm taking steps, my next step of faith as I follow him, as I understand what he's calling me to do. And so I'm, I'm, I'm living my life according to how he has called me to live. And so he says, follow me. And when you follow me, he says, I will make you. That means that he's developing you. That means that he's growing you. Right? And so as I take steps to follow him, like that's, the, that's step number one, I give my life to him, I follow him, I'm learning and I'm growing. As I do that, he is developing me, he's making me. As you take your next step, he grows you. What is he growing you into? What is he developing you into? And he says right here, I'm gonna make you a fisher of men, right? I'm making you someone who is on mission. I'm making you someone that loves the gospel, is driven by the gospel to share the gospel and help other people follow me and help other people get made and help other people get developed. So this is the call, not for a pastor, but for all followers of Jesus. We're driven by this message. And then he says in Mark 3, 14, it says that he appointed 12 to be with him, to be with him. So this is where we get the, the idea of why relational discipleship is the model that Jesus gave to us. He, he, the work that he is, is, is thankful that he did is relational discipleship. He's saying that this whole point here of following me and I'm gonna make you into a fisher of men and I'm gonna do that by being with me, by being with the leader that develops you that grows you, that challenges you to take your next step. He says he appointed 12 to be with him, to do what? Not just to sit in church, but to actually be sent. Every single one of us has been developed or is being developed as a follower of Jesus by being not only yes with the Holy Spirit in our life, with him in our life, but also we, we need a, a leader, someone to develop us, challenge us, why? So that we would be sent out to do the same. A disciple that makes disciples that makes disciples. I, 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 every week I preach to help develop you as a disciple, not just so that you would learn more stuff, but that you would go out, that you would be sent out to your business, to your schools, to whatever it is that your calling is, whatever, whatever that job is. You might be a lawyer or you might own a business or you might be a teacher or you might be in school. Whatever it is God's called you to do at this season in your life, he wants you to live on mission. That is you being sent every single day into the world to somehow love the world, share with the world and help them see that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, right? This is our calling. This is the heartbeat of Foothills Church. It's why God brought you here and God has developed you here. We join together as a church. We, we give together. We serve together. We learn together. We love together. We then go and make disciples of all nations and we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is the mission. That is the essence of the gospel. And so you and I are here today because someone made a disciple of you. Somebody invested into you. 
Someone shared the, 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 the truth with you. Someone helped you through a season of difficulty and helped you walk through that and you are stronger for it, right? Somebody invested into you. And so you see a gospel driven giver is someone who will give the gospel, someone who will share the gospel, someone who will invite people to church, someone who will talk about their faith, someone who, when they hear a story or someone's going through a difficulty and, and you know, they, they ask for help, they're willing to give that help. They're willing to encourage them, sometimes maybe even challenge them so that they might know Jesus and walk in Jesus, someone connected with you relationally. Someone did that for you. They invited you to church, maybe Foothills Church. You grew, you connected, you started serving, you started experiencing the hope of the gospel. You have a place to bring your kids and your students who are getting ministered to. Someone did that for you, will you do it for someone else? We're all called to give the gospel, share it, teach it, model it. And as we model it, we are giving it to a broken world. We did a series called Gospel Voice uh, earlier this year, and it was all about how we all have a gospel voice and we've got to use it. And so we've got to, yes, share the gospel, invite people to church, have spiritual conversations. And in the atrium, we have this tank and it's represented uh, there because we want to begin to just challenge you and see how many of our people are actually having gospel-centered conversations, who are actually inviting people to church, who are actually, you know, sharing the gospel. And every time you have a gospel-centered conversation, a spiritual conversation, you invite someone to church, we're asking you to put one of those balls into the tank to represent that. And so you've got one more week to do that. If you haven't represented all your conversations, do it today. Uh, because we're going to take up that tank in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to count them. And my prayer is that we literally see hundreds, if not thousands of conversations represented over the last several months as a church. And that will, that will show and encourage us that, yes, we are gospel-driven givers of the gospel. But we're not done yet. Right? We're not done. We're, we're far from being done. That's why we planted and started a new location in Knoxville. We're one church in two locations. Some people ask why, why start a new church? Couple of reasons. The first reason is that we need more gospel centered churches. We don't have enough. I know if you move from California or someplace else, you're like, my goodness, there are churches on every corner here. We got too many. No, we've got too many buildings. We don't have gospel centered churches. And so we need more. Gospel-centered churches reaching teenagers and reaching young families and connecting the gospel with them and preaching biblically, right? Southern Baptist planted 600 churches in North America, but listen to this, 900 of those churches closed their doors. So we planted 600, but 900 closed their doors, not of those that we planted. I said that kind of weird. The total was 600. And then there was a total of 900 in North America that closed. In the state of Tennessee alone last year, 40 churches shut down. We need more churches. We don't have enough, right? We need more. Knox, the Knox News Sentinel had an article on September 5th, 2022, Silas Sloan. He said that by 2040, Knoxville is expected to grow by 16%. That's almost 100,000 people. And, and you've got to understand that that percentage is most likely coming to Blount County as well. 
There's a lot of people coming into this area. We need more churches to connect with these people who will not and ever perhaps been inside the doors of a church. We need to be ready. We need to prepare now. In 2019, Knoxville was made and listed as in, in the top 100 post-Christian cities in America. I mentioned this stat before, but there are over 19,000 cities in America. Knoxville was in the top 100 as a post-Christian city. Knoxville and Blount County are not the same when you were, from when you were a kid. You know that. Spiritually, we need a revival. Spiritually, we need churches that are preaching the truth and challenging their people to take the hope of the gospel to their community and their churches and their businesses. And those are the kind of churches that we need. We, we need more of them. 32% of Knoxville is actually unchurched. 32% of the people have never stepped inside a church. We need more churches. Statistically, new churches reach more people with the gospel than older churches. It's just a stat. It's, it, it's just uh, a reality. New churches are growing by an average of 14%, which means more people are getting connected. Right? And so, yes, we need more churches. You know, when you got married, uh, you, you actually added somebody into your life, right? That's addition. When you guys had kids, that's reproduction. You started to reproduce. When your kids have kids, that's multiplication, right? Lots of people, right? Imagine as a church, if we multiplied Foothills Church, if we were multiplying churches all over the state of Tennessee, imagine if we were able over the next 20, 30 years that as we are giving and as we are serving here, we are also investing into the next generation all around this state, planning churches and seeing God do miracles all over this region. That's the kind of church I wanna be a part of. That's the kind of church that I wanna to give towards. And so when we talk about a vision offering, it's, it's more than an offering, it's a mission. I was reminded of this mission uh, a week ago we had a, um, an event for our Knoxville location at the movie theater and we just gathered and we worshiped and we prayed and we wrote scripture on the, the walls there in the movie theater as we get ready to take our next step there. And um, <clears throat> I, was, I was talking to one of our partners, his name is Emek Nakora and uh, he's from Russia. And uh, when he was a, a, a kid, his father was, was fleeing persecution and became a refugee here in America. And when he got to America with his kids, he shared the story of 1 Samuel chapter 7 uh, with, his, with his kids. And, and uh, the, the story, if you don't know, Samuel is the prophet and he's leading the Israelites and they were worshiping other gods and the Philistines were just whipping their tails. I mean, they were going to battle and just annihilating them. And so Samuel kept saying, you, you turn, turn to God, turn to God, worship God. And and finally, the Israelites did. They, they turned to God. They stopped worshiping, sacrificing the false gods. And, and uh, then they said, Samuel, will you pray for us that next time we go to war, or next time we have the battle, that God would give us the victory. And Samuel, Samuel began to pray and they turned to God. And as he is praying, the next battle came, the Philistines came and, and they had this big war. And, and sure enough, God answered their prayers and, and defeated the Philistines first time in, 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 in so many years. And, and so it was at that time that Samuel uh, did something that we've sung about in songs, at least old hymns that you might not remember. But in 1 Samuel seven twelve, 
The Bible says, then Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shin. And he called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now, the Lord has helped us. Ebenezer means a, a stone of help. And so he, he lifted up, I don't know how large it was, but it had to be a significant stone that, that they uh, lifted up and, and set it there and dedicated that as, as a reminder of how the Lord had helped them. So back to Emic, I see Emic riding on the studs, the metal studs of the building. You know what he's writing? First Timothy 7, 12. When my father brought us to America, he said, the Lord has helped us. And so now what is he doing? Now, through a friend from Italy who happened to know of some work that Pastor Greg was doing in Eastern Europe, told him about Foothills Church in Knoxville. And so now he's brought his two teenage sons, his wife. They serve every week. They're setting up equipment and chairs every week. They're in their small group. Why? Because the Lord helped him. And he knows who Jesus is. And he's not just going to sit and just use that for his own good. Now he's giving. And now he's serving in this church. Now he's bringing his teenagers, sharing and modeling to them what it looks like to follow Christ. You see, gospel-driven givers give the gospel and they continue to serve the church and they continue to do the things that God is calling them to do. He is one of a hundred stories here, if not a thousand stories of God's faithfulness as, 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 as he has grown each of us. And I, I believe your next step is the most important step. I don't, I don't know what's happened to you this year or how tough it's been or the challenges that you've been facing, but I want to encourage you, whatever your next step is, take your next step of faith today. I know some of you, you probably feel like, you know, life has kind of punched you in the mouth. And when you get punched in the mouth, a lot of times you just get really inward focused and all you do is think about yourself. And, and I get it, We're, we all are tempted to do that, but uh, continually, the scripture calls us to set our attention outwardly, externally. And as we do that, not, not only does God heal us through our, our difficult journey, but, but he also uses us for his glory and people are impacted because of that. And so we're, we're called to be externally focused. Last Sunday, I challenged you to take your next step on the journey process. That's our discipleship pathway. So if you haven't been to base camp, that's your next step. Camp two, camp three, leadership summits. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to take your next step. As you do, God will make you a fisherman. He'll develop you. You'll understand and begin to understand your purpose and you'll begin to understand how God has gifted you. Some of you maybe went through some of these classes 10 years ago. Maybe it's time for you to revisit them because I, I know some of you get excited for a couple of years and then you kind of get plateaued and you get used to everything and, and then your, your spiritual life and growth becomes a little, a little plateaued and you begin to, to kind of fade and maybe you need to be re-energized and go back to small group or go back to uh, base camp or go back to uh, camp two or camp three or leadership summits that would help you take your next step. In fact, when you walked in today, you received a next step card. And, and it's very simple. This is for you. You're not turning this in today, but I wanna challenge you even right now, some of you already know your next step. I wanna challenge you to come through here and just say, okay, whoop, right here, I know I need that one. I'm gonna go ahead and check that, right? 
What else? What's my next step that I need to attend or I need to commit to? You might, you might say something here and you might just kind of fill in whatever it is you feel like God is calling you to do. But then you just keep it in your Bible, hang it up on your mirror um, at home, in the bathroom, or on your dresser as a reminder of the commitment that you believe God is asking you to take today. That next step of faith, that's for you to keep. Don't turn that in. That's for you. Gospel-driven givers give the gospel. Then secondly, gospel-driven givers will also give financially to keep giving the gospel. This is part of, of, of what we know to be true, that when we are driven by the gospel, we are generous financially because we know we're mature enough to know that as we give financially, we're able to do more as a church. It's a great thing about a big church is when we all do a little, we can do a lot. And so my prayer is that you would give today. When you walked in, you should have seen a, a giving offering envelope in the seat back in front of you. We've got them at all the giving stations. Uh, I want to encourage you today to actually fill that out. And at the end, I'll give more instruction. But we want to ask you to turn that into the giving stations today and, and uh, let us know so that we can prepare for this year what it is that you're going to give today or what it's going to be like this year, what you're going to give uh, throughout the year. And so that will really help us. Personally, I love giving you Foothills Church because I, I know that it's actually making a difference. And anytime I invest in something, whether it's a, the stock market or, or anything, I want to know that I'm going to get an investment on what I invest into, that, that, that it's going to be a wise investment. And so for 13 years, I've been investing into this place and some of you have as well. And you've seen God bless and you've seen God grow and you've seen God do incredible things. Today, we get the opportunity as a church to take our next step. And part of that next step is to give to the vision offering. And so I hope that you'll join me and everybody else who's already been given. We saw earlier today where we're at. And I hope that we will do that by the end of this service today. And it's a one-time gift, but it's also an ongoing commitment to give over and above what we normally give. And we've been talking about this, but what, what's, what's the hope? What's the goal? We're going to continue to do everything that we've already been doing, but the, 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 the offering is going to help launch these three goals. So that would be the Knoxville location renovation, counseling ministry startup, taking that to the next level so that we have biblical counseling here in Maryville. And then so that we could get property and expand so that we can have more parking because we're out of it. And so we've got to create space for the new people that want to come. This is $1.1 million in and so last week I talked about the 548 families who haven't given anything this year and what an opportunity we have as a church. If you would just give $20 a week, just if those families did that, we would be able not only to take goal number one and, and accomplish that, we'd get 33% of goal number two. If just those family gave $50 a week, we'd knock out all the goals, right? So, so some of you are gonna give well above, well above that. But for some of you that aren't giving anything, my challenge to you is, my goodness, wouldn't you give something to the gospel and to God's kingdom this year for his glory and for your good? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to see what it really looks like to be this gospel-driven giver. He gives us four characteristics. Let's take a look at it. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. He says, now it is super false for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness. They were ready. 
of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. So readiness, ready, and your zeal or your passion has stirred up most of them. Their passion was infecting other people. Verse three, but I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter. I'm gonna go ahead and send my bros to you guys to make sure y'all are doing what you said you were gonna do, right? So that you may be ready, there it is again, as I said to you, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we will be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction, an exaction or an actual fee. So a couple of characteristics that we wanna see here. First one is they are ready to give. Verse two and elsewhere, it says that they were ready. They had a readiness about them. Right? They were prepared and so they were ready to give. How do you get ready for a, a school at test, a, a test at school? Or how do you get ready for a game, you know, if you're playing sports? How do you get ready for a big presentation at work? Well, you study, right? You might pray, uh, you practice, right? And that's basically it. You practice, you pray, you study, right? How, how do you get ready to give? Well, you study the word of God, you see what it says. You talk about it, you plan about it, you pray about it with your spouse, and then you're ready, right? You're, you're getting ready to actually give. What if on Christmas morning this year, the kids run down the steps and they see under the tree, no presents. And they look to you, dad, and they were like, dad, what, 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 what happened to the presents this year? And it wasn't because you didn't have any money or not enough money to get any presents, but you just said, well, I, I, I've been busy this year and, and actually I, I just didn't take the time to do it. I'm sorry, I just wasn't ready to, to, I wasn't ready for Christmas. What would they say to you? Dad, you've had 12 months to get your act together. <laughs> right? You gotta be ready on Christmas morning. And so, so the idea here is Paul's like, he's, he's excited about them because they are ready, right? I just wonder, are you ready to give today? We've been talking about this for weeks. And I just know that some of you still haven't had a conversation with your spouse. I know it, I know it. And you're still wondering, what are we gonna give? Are we gonna give anything? I don't know, what do you wanna give? Get ready, today's the day. Today is the day to give and to figure it out and, and, and to make the commitment. And it's a commitment that, that, that you believe is, is led by God. That's it. Um, I was eating dinner with, with a family uh, from Foothills here this past week. And he was telling me the story about how early on in their marriage, they were, they were at a church that was also trying to build more parking space. And so they were challenged to give and make a three-year commitment. And so they prayed about it and they, they were, you know, they hadn't talked about it as a, as a couple yet, but then they, they, they finally did it and they said, okay, you write down your number, I'll write down my number. And sure enough, as they wrote down the number of the, as they had prayed about it, it was almost the same numbers, very close. And so they knew, okay, I think we're on the right track here. This is what we're actually gonna give. And, and this was unusual because it was more than what they had ever given to the church. It was gonna take like huge sacrifice for them to do that. And, and they just said, we're gonna, we're gonna go for it. This is what we believe we need to do. And with tears in his eyes, he said, I've never experienced this in the, in, in the history of my, my life. Tears in his eyes, he gets choked up. And he said, within a week, God had put that amount of money 
into our bank account. Something happened at work, he got promotion, whatever it was, and they got things. They were going to give that over the course of three years. God gave it to them way sooner. You see, those are the kinds of things that build your faith. When you say, all right, God, I will do X. And God says, okay, okay, let me, let me, let me grow your faith here. Let me take you on this journey, right? And he transforms us because of, 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 of the steps that we take. Gospel-driven givers are those that are ready to give. Are you ready? Are you ready? Secondly, what we see in this passage is that their passion is contagious. In verse two, he says, for I know your readiness, right? And he's boasting, he's, he's bragging about their readiness to the other church, right? But, but then he's also saying that your passion has infected. It, it's been contagious. In verse two, it says their zeal has stirred them up because when you are passionate about Jesus, when you're passionate about giving, it's contagious. Other people get excited about it as well. You've, you've been in sports, your coach, or you've watched a movie of a, of a coach give a pregame talk, right? And, and the pregame talk is, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and this is, your, this is our time, and we're ready, and blah, 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 right? And at the end of that pregame talk, the team is like, let's go, right? They're ready to high five and chest bump and bang their head on the lockers, all that crazy stuff. Why? Because passion is contagious, are you passionate about the gospel today? Are you blown away by what Jesus has done for you? Blown away in such a way that my goodness, God, we are not worthy of this. We're not worthy of, of you saving us. We're not worthy of you calling us. We're not worthy of putting us into this town, into this city, into this church. God, you are so good to us. And like Paul says in Romans 12, in view of God's mercy, in other words, when we think about how God has been merciful to us in view of that mercy, I offer my bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. In other words, all of me, God, to all of you, not just part of me, not just Sunday morning, but everything about who I am, I offer to you. Passion is contagious. Tell me or show me the five people in your life that you spend the most time with, and I will, I will point you to your future. The sum total of those five people that you're spending the most time with in your life is who you're gonna become, right? And if that's the, the case, you need to get around the right people. We've gotta be passionate about the gospel. Has your passion been squelched because of life? It's time to get around the right people, to get engaged, take your next step so that your passion would be invigorated. But listen, when we give today, Knoxville is gonna be pumped up. They're gonna be stirred up. When Knoxville gives and we share and tell you how Knoxville is engaging in this as well, you're gonna be pumped up, right? We're, we're gonna stir one another up as we talk about Jesus and we're excited about Jesus. And so I wanna encourage you to continue to look and think this way. Their passion is contagious. But number three, they also need something. They need to be challenged. They need to be challenged. Look at verses three and four again. They need to be challenged. He says, I'm sending the brothers on ahead, right? Because I wanna make sure that you're not, you're gonna come through on that promise, that it wasn't an empty promise. 
that, that you're going to be ready. You said you were going to do it. And if you don't do it, he said, you're going to humiliate me because I'm telling everybody how awesome you guys are doing. And so I'm sending the guys ahead to make sure you're ready, right? What's he doing? He's challenging them. He's challenging them to take that next step. He's challenging them to fulfill their commitment. Some of you are partners. I've got to continually challenge you to do what you said you're going to do. We forget. We get lazy. Um, I love what uh, the scripture uh, teaches us in 2 Timothy 4, 3. It says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Some people like pep talks on Sunday morning. Some people like just flower, flowery, flower, flowery, flowery messages. I think that's a word. Just make us feel good. Listen, I hope you feel good, but my job's not to make you feel good. My job is to preach the Bible and challenge myself and then challenge you. It's not going to be easy to hear. Some of you may want to get up and walk out of here because the pastor's talking about money. I'm going to get emails. I'm going to take flack because I'm asking you to give. I'm willing to take those arrows and those flack. You know why? Because you need to be encouraged. You need it. You need to understand that what you give to yourself ends when your life ends. But when you give to God, it lives forever. That's a weak applause. Some of you, come on now. This is for our own good, right? You need to be challenged. I could itch those ears every Sunday. I'd get way more compliments, but that's not my, that's not my job. I, I, I'm committed to the best of my ability. I will preach the word of God and every Sunday it will sting a little bit. It stings me and you need to be challenged. We all need to be challenged. And so this is what Paul's telling them. I'm sending the brothers on ahead to make sure you guys do what you said you're going to. You're going to get challenged by the brothers. They're going to show up. They're going to hold you accountable. Our staff, our small group leaders, our leaders, we've got to hold each other accountable. Why? Because we get lazy. We, we're, we're tempted to spend all of our money on ourselves. I mean, just left to ourselves. We're, we're just tempted to leave or, or to spend all of this money that we have been given on ourselves. But, but we've got to be challenged to give. And then number four in verse five, he reminds them, okay, I want you to be willing to give. It's not an exaction. It's not a fee. It's not a tax. I want you to be willing to give, right? Did you know that when you are generous, your body, physical body releases endorphins that makes you feel good? I mean, that's how God wired your body. Why did God wire our physical bodies to do that? So that we would do it. <laughs> Can you imagine if when you were generous to someone, you gave something, it felt like somebody was punching you in the nose? <laughs> we wouldn't do it. So, so he even wires our body in such a way that it would feel good when we are willing to give. Remember, this isn't a have to, it's an actual get to. It's an opportunity to take our next step as a church. It's an opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God. Let's keep going in 2 Corinthians 9. Let's look at verses six and we'll close with this. He says, the point is this. Here's the point, right? I love it when the Bible is so super clear like this. Sometimes there are passages that are hard to understand. This one's easy. He says, here's the point. 
I love the point. Give me the bottom line. What, 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 do, you, what do you want us to do? Here's the point. Whoever sows sparingly, right? Who only does it just a little bit is also going to reap sparingly. Makes sense? Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Sow a little, reap a little. Sow a lot, reap a lot. Each one must give. Each one must give something. Each one must give, right? All of us in view of the mercy of God. I mean, come on, 20 bucks a week. We, we got to give something. And we do this based on, he's saying, okay, you decide in your own heart, but whatever you do, don't do it reluctantly. Why? Don't do it under compulsion. Why? Because here's what God loves. God loves cheerful givers. God loves cheerful givers. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in some of the things that you're gonna need, he'll provide for some of those things and then other things, then he won't, he'll let you down. That's not what he says. All sufficiency in, say it with me, all things, not some things. This is God. <laughs> it's not your wife. It's not your kids. It's not your boss. This is God. Everything that you need, he's going to provide, period. Not just some of the time, but all time. So that you may abound in every good work. So this is interesting. Whatever God's called us to do when we're faithful in what we give, and as we serve, he's, he's saying here that we will abound here in every good work. Everything that he's calling us to do, he's going to provide for. I, I feel wholeheartedly that the three goals that we have are the next step for our church. And I do believe that God's going to provide. But even if he doesn't, we're going to worship. I know that one day, He's gonna give us what we need. I, I've seen it time and time again, again over the last 13 years. Many of you who have been with us, you know, you've seen it as well. In 2011, there were 130 people that were attending our church in a little, little school. And we challenged them to give and sacrifice vacations and cars and, and give so that we could buy the building next door. And they did, and we bought it. In 2014, we cast a division called Invest and we asked all the families to go all in and give and, and they did. And we were able to take our next step and build an auditorium next door and build out some of the kids' spaces. And we went to three services and we kind of hit a rut. I mean, three services and, and uh, it was just difficult. And we were like, okay, we need to buy this land and build an auditorium, create space. And so we challenged our people, we called it Let's Go, and people began to commit. We brought some people together that had been generous in the past, and we said, we need, I mean, if we're gonna do this, this is this black and white. Here's what the bank says that we're gonna need. This is what we need. Everybody decided to give something. Two families were able to give an extraordinarily amount of money. It was because of those two gifts that we were able to be propelled into this auditorium today. It took everybody. 
But some people are just blessed more than others financially. They have the ability to be game-changing in, in what they give. And, and so that was the result. And, and so those donations, those offerings were given and we bought the land, we built this facility time and time again. We said, this is what we believe the next step is, not the final step, just the next step. And as we've taken that step together as a church, God has been faithful and we've seen people from all walks of life come into this place and experience the hope of the gospel and yes, get challenged and yes, experience Jesus. But every time we take our next step, it means that we have to serve. It means we have to pray. It means we got to get out of our comfort zone. It means we have to give. This is what it means and what it looks like practically to be on mission with God. And so again, comes down to our readiness. Are we going to be ready to give today? Let me ask you just to take this envelope. It's in front of you. You should have received it when you walked in. It's very simple. It's a one-time gift box and it's an ongoing commitment in the bottom box and then your name and information. And we are going to ask you to turn this in today. If you haven't taken a moment to do this, I want to encourage you to do that right now. And then as we close our time together today, as we pray, as you leave at both of these doors and even these doors up here, you'll see giving stations. Just drop the envelope in those giving stations and and then next week, we'll, we'll actually in real time this afternoon, you'll begin to see how God is blessing our church. You can go to thevisionoffering.com and actually make that offering. This, this is, I'm ready. Going online and giving means you, you did it. Or if you're using a check still, you can, you can use that. Let me pray with you and just ask God's blessing to do what only he can do. Heavenly Father, So many of us came ready and some aren't. And I, I just pray that you would make us ready today. Tell us what we need to do in order to help your mission here at Foothills Church take the next step. God, I pray that, that we would see that when we take our next step, it's always going to require us to sacrifice and give. It's going to take time and energy and, yeah, even resources but help our willingness and help our enthusiasm to grow, God. Because we've always seen your faithfulness, not just some of the time, but all of the time. And so as we give today, God, we were, we're reminded of that gift. We're reminded of your faithfulness. And so God, we serve you. We give out of a willing heart, out of a cheerful heart. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.